We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast it is thursday october 7th 2021 your green bay packers are three and one and kind of a quiet news day all things considered I'm your host this evening for the Thursday crew. I am Jacob Westendorf, and I am joined our first show in the month of October this month by the great Maggie Loney, fresh off of a victory trip to Lambeau Field with Mr. Lawler for the first time in two years. Yeah, just over. I think our last game was the Vikings game in 2019 where they honored Bart Starr. So just a little over two years. Uh, The home opener. Wow. Yeah, two years. It's crazy how fast time goes. I was at a seminar today and one of the people said like, we're just going to think back. It feels like these 18 months have just kind of been scrunched together in time. And, and it really does feel that way. And and I can tell you, you know, having been to Lambeau for the opener and this past game against the Steelers, you know, I mentioned it, it's, it is different having fans in the stands, you know, it was a weird eerie feeling last year being in the stadium with basically nobody there. And now this year, full-blown sellouts, and and uh, some crowd noise and people actually roaring when when they make a good play and thankfully there's been plenty of those at Lambeau Field but the Packers like I mentioned are three and one and we're at the what it used to be the quarter pole of the season but now now they added a a 17th game so I I get I'm still calling it the quarter pole so just bear with me I know that's not the math but I was told there would be no math when I started doing this show so I'm not going to do any but I just want to get an assessment, Maggie, of where where you think this team is at after four games. Are you more confident than you were coming in the season? Less confident? You know, what's stuck out? Just kind of a broad assessment of this team after their first four games. I mean, I think looking at the schedule that they had, you know, I know Packers fans were confident going into the Saints game, but had that game been in New Orleans, that realistically could have been an L uh, with that stadium and that crowd noise already. So you take your loss week one, and yes, it was a horrifically ugly loss, but you get your loss out of the way. 
I know Packer fans obviously were skeptical about going to the 49ers. The Steelers on paper looked like a really good football team to start the season. So there was an argument that you are at the quarter point of the season two and two or even one and three. And that's a really tough hole to climb out of. And I'm not saying I thought the Packers would start one and three. It's just, you know, they, the caliber of opponent that they were facing could put them kind of behind the eight ball early. So some of those fronts that they went up against, I think, you know, you're confident in the offensive line being so young. And this is a Packers team that's missing a lot of its really good players, some of its best. Dave Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins. We're going to talk about Jair a little bit, missing Zadarius Smith. So all things considered, as far as the injuries that this team has faced early, I don't really think you can ask for much more from this Packers team. And I think Aaron Rodgers kind of alluded to that um, on Sunday night as well in his postgame presser, just saying that, you know, if you had told him they would win two games without David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins, he would have been ecstatic. And here they are three and one. So I think, you know, outside of winning week one, couldn't have asked for more. Yeah, they I, they got blown off the field in week one. There's no question about that. We heard the same low energy excuse, blah, blah, blah. Just all that stuff. Put that one to bed. Flush it and move on. As Devontae said, it appears they have uh, done just that. Like you mentioned, this is a team now. They're three and one. They've gotten 20 snaps from Zadarius Smith, zero snaps from David Bakhtiari, and two games from Elton Jenkins, who was their backup left. They're using a third-string left tackle that has never played a single meaningful snap until this season. I cannot tell you guys. Packers fans, I get it. We are spoiled by quarterback play. 100%, no questions asked. This team is very spoiled by its tackle play as well. I've mentioned before how it's basically gone from Chad Clifton for a decade plus to now David Bakhtiari to where, you know, when we see bad offensive line play, it's almost surprising because the Packers just really haven't had that a whole hell of a lot here in green Bay. And now their third string left tackle is Yosh Nijman, which leads me to believe their fourth string left tackle is Billy Turner. So <laughs> the Packers have the best third and fourth string left tackles in all of football. And I can tell you guys, when a team plays its third preferred left tackle, it's a tire fire almost 100% of the time. I remember when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl a couple years ago and Jason Peters got hurt and it was almost like everybody was pitching it as a death sentence to the team because didn't know who was going to play left tackle for them. And that protects your blind side, everything. I mean, you guys understand that. And Billy Turner has been as rock solid as they come at the right tackle position. The most underappreciated player on this offense by the fan base, maybe on the whole damn team by the fan base. No questions asked. He is rock solid. The Packers are very lucky to have him as their right tackle. But my, you know, my overall assessment of the team is hold your breath because they got to, <laughs> they got the injuries are just terrifying. And, and I say that because the Packers have had very good injury luck each of the last two seasons, you know, in 2019, I believe they had all of their preferred starters going into that game against the San Francisco 49ers. And last year it was only Kevin King that was really hobbled a little bit, but he still suited up and played and they had everybody except for David Bakhtiari, albeit a big injury, but Bakhtiari didn't play. The defense right now feels like it's teetering on the brink and this will be a good transition to our next topic after I get to it. But Zadarius Smith may or may not play the rest of the season. I tend to believe he will not, but you know, that's mostly speculation on my behalf, but I do not believe they're going to get him back. Preston Smith left Sunday's game with a shoulder injury. He came back in, but that's, I mean, the Packers, they really are 
a rolled ankle away from starting one of Preston and Rashawn Gary with Jonathan Garvin and just being in a real dire situation as far as their edge team goes. But then you look at the cornerback situation. They came into the season with one guy you could feel confident about, and that was Jair Alexander. And now he was injured on Sunday. It's going into Wednesday night, and Matt LaFleur didn't have a concrete update. He just said they're doing everything they can to avoid surgery. And if he has surgery, it will probably end his season, and he's likely out this Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals. That's horrifying to me just because there was the news today about Stefan Gilmore, who they didn't end up getting and the Packers on, I mean, right now, Eric Stokes has been maybe as good as you could hope for as a rookie cornerback stepping in, but he's still a rookie. And there's going to come a point where he hits a button, some growing pains. Kevin King is Kevin King and Shannon Sullivan is Shannon Sullivan. And I don't mean that to sound the way that it does, but if Alexander cannot play the rest of the season, I said it a little bit differently to Maggie on the pre-show here, but this team is in a lot of trouble if Alexander cannot play the rest of the season. So what's your assessment on where they're at with Jair Alexander now and, and what this could be if they're going to be without him for an extended period of time? Yeah. So after, you know, week one, when we were still kind of getting a sense of Joe Barry's defense, I had said on packs of she said that help is not on the way. And we're kind of learning that that's not necessarily the case. Obviously, there's the trade deadline. But what I meant by that is, theoretically, the guys in your room will be the guys in your room. And, you know, the Packers did sign uh, Razul Douglas today instead of Stefan Gilmore. Uh, we don't need to get into the details of that. Um, but outside of, you know, kind of those piece players, the same way we kind of can view Isaac Yadam coming in really late, as good as he's been on special teams, I don't think you necessarily want them to be your starting boundary corners. Like, your help is not necessarily on the way. These are piecemeal players who will come in um, and serve what you hope is nothing more than a backup role. And, you know, I'm curious, I guess, your thoughts on this, because I talked about it a little bit on Twitter. Um, just, you know, if Jair can't play for an extended amount of time, what are you most comfortable with? Because to me, I think it might be, which seems really taboo given, you know, the Mike Patton era that we all just survived, um, some Joe Barry dime. And I think it's moving Darnell Savage to the slot. You keep Adrian Amos in the box uh, with Devondre Campbell. You've got Stokes and Kevin King on the boundary. And then you have Vernon Scott and Henry Black um, in some cover to, to give Kevin King some help. Because I feel good. I feel good about Eric Stokes on the boundary, even though, like you said, he'll have growing pains. But, you know, if Kevin King needs help, you're kind of sacrificing at least some piece of your defense to make that happen and making yourself vulnerable elsewhere. Yeah, he again, I was thinking about this earlier today. How you know, anytime a player gets injured, the first thing we're like is, oh, next man up, next man up. And the team's gonna tell you that same thing, right? Next man up mentality. And that's great. That's a good mentality for the team to have. Uh the problem is I wrote an article I remember eons ago for PackersTalk.com when Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone in 2013, whenever that was. And I was basically like, the next man up doesn't work when it's the quarterback and or one of your best players. Because there is no replacing Zadarius Smith. There is no replacing Alexander. There is no replacing Aaron Rodgers. Like, those are special players. And really what you're hoping for when the backup – it's like, for example, Ty Summers comes in for Chris Barnes. There's a drop-off. What you're hoping for is that the drop-off isn't – you know, Barnes is a – 
replacement level to slightly above average player. You're just hoping Ty Summers hasn't been a tire fire, which clearly the Packers feel like he <laughs> has been based on some of the news that we got today. So maybe that's not the greatest example, but um, you know, uh, I guess the example I can use is that Elton Jenkins is hurt and he's a great player. Now that's not a great example there, but somebody gets hurt. You're hoping that it's just not a complete difference there. And the problem is if they don't have Alexander, there's no replacing that. And I don't know right now, Stokes is a rookie. I don't know if the other guys can play at replacement level and having a bunch of corners in that back end that just, you're not sure about, I mean, Sunday, it was weird because I know Ben Roethlisberger is washed and he sucks and you know, whatever. And the Steelers offense just isn't that great. But when the Packers were kind of sort of letting them hang around, you know, they miss a play here, they miss a play there. Like Rogers misses Tunyon for a kill shot or Randall Cobb has a pass breakup on a pass intended for Devonte Adams, just stuff like that. I'm getting semi nervous because did you guys see the Packers quarterback group by the end of the game? It was Eric Stokes. And then they benched Isaac Yadam for Shamar John Charles, who's been a healthy scratch each of the first two games of his career. And then Shannon Sullivan obviously was playing as well. That DB room is thin and fast, and that's easy to see why they were going after Stefan Gilmore today. Uh, and they could, that's something they would have done. I think if everybody was healthy, but yeah. it's easy. And I think that's something they're going to continue to do. And something they did do was add Rasul Douglas uh, from the practice squad. And he's now in green Bay. He's played in Carolina. He's played in Philadelphia. Uh, I joked with my dad. That's former Philadelphia Eagles legend, Rasul Douglas boundary corner. Doesn't run all that well. Uh, to me, I think he's just a body because they're going to be without Alexander at least this week. And if I had to guess, and that is literally all I'm doing is guessing. I'm thinking after the Arizona game is the earliest he would be back. So that no early November showdown in Kansas city with Pat Mahomes and company, that's what I'm guessing, but I don't know anything. So who knows? I'm hoping that he's back by the 24th. Cause that's at Lambeau and I'll be there. And I like watching Jair Alexander play football. So that part would be, and not only that, but him versus scary Terry is like football porn, but Rasul Douglas is here. Again, not much to write home about. Uh, People are connecting the two of like, they missed out on Gilmore, so they signed Douglas. But Douglas was practicing today, so that means it's something that's been in the works for at least a short while to get him through the COVID protocols. But just what are your thoughts on Douglas adding him to this defense? I mean, there is a part of me that wonders if, I mean, we know he did play some special teams and yes, you have Isaac Yadam who also played special teams, but you're starting to lose a lot of your foundational pieces. And I'm sure we'll get to Jalen Smith, but if you have to make some roster moves or, you know, you're taking Ty Summers off the defense, let's say you keep him for special teams. Like you, at this point, the Packers are a team that's going to need bodies. Like you're running out of preferred players to play your starting positions, which also means that you're getting even thinner on special teams, which is kind of its own concern at this point, as far as like kick protection is concerned, but that's, you know, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to give me a stroke (laughs) at the end of the season. I'm telling you, I I just think, I mean, 
I think it makes sense. I think I understood why the Packers do it. I think it's really hard. Like you said, the timing was already in the works. We knew that he was in Green Bay in his jersey when the Stefan Gilmore news was going on. So, you know, this was already something that would have happened regardless. But I do see potentially the Packers making a trade, especially if Jair's injury is something that's like a six to eight weeks or a season ending um, a trade for a corner by the deadline. I wish I could remember who it was because I thought it was really fascinating. And um, I don't know if I would necessarily love it, but somebody mentioned Joe Hayden. You know, if the Steelers are just going into a complete rebuild, if they keep losing and we get towards the trade deadline, he had just said so many complimentary things about Aaron Rodgers being his favorite quarterback. You know, maybe the Packers look for help. I don't think they would have been interested in a guy like Richard Sherman, but I think them bringing in Douglas does help to illustrate that they are continuously trying to work on this roster because, you know, it's kind of, I don't want to call it like the Super Bowl season from 2010, but they lost so many people to injury that that roster was constantly churning. And I think that's what we're going to have to see this year, unfortunately. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Yeah, they were not interested in Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman has a, a legal trouble issue, so he definitely fits the type of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So it couldn't be a more seamless fit that way. But I'm with you. I, I've said it before. I think it's a slam dunk that the Packers make a deal for someone at the deadline. I've been told that they tried to get both Smith and Stefan Gilmore today. It wasn't going to be one or the other. And now I've been told that they're trying to maybe do some stuff on on the front of trying to acquire somebody. Doesn't mean they will. Don't know what that means necessarily, but it just means they're going to be active in every conversation, like Brian Gutekunst likes to say. And had you know the Panthers not swooped in and traded for him, I think Stephon Gilmore would have been a Packer today, but that's not what happened, and that's where we're at. So I think the Packers will continue to look for help at pass rusher and cornerback. And reminder, you know, last year Will Fuller gets all the fanfare for the guy the Packers were quote unquote in on at the deadline, but they're also in on Dalvin Tomlinson, a defensive lineman. So I think if the Packers are going to make a trade this year, I think it absolutely needs to be on the defensive side of the ball. Yes. Uh, to me, I didn't talk about this when I talked about my quarter pole assessment, but I mean, as of right now, I'm not confident that this defense is good enough for the Packers to win a Super Bowl, And, and that's where everything, everything has to re- be viewed through that lens. Like you can't view it up. Like when the Packers lost the first game of the season to Tampa Bay or Tampa Bay, goodness, uh, New Orleans, same division, but when they lost to New Orleans first game of the season and then they're one and one going into San Francisco, everyone's like, well, if they lose this game, like not that big of a deal. Cause they're still going to win the division. Cool. Like winning the NFC North this year just doesn't matter that much. Like, are you really that proud of outside of bragging about fans of teams that you probably know? Are you really that hyped up about being better than the bears and the lions and the Vikings? I personally am not because to me, that's the expectation. So this team to me is compared to the Cardinals, the 49ers, if you want to include them, the Rams, the Bucks, teams that are just the best, maybe the Dallas Cowboys, I don't know. Like, is this team good enough to win a championship? That's where this needs to be at. And right now, I don't think this defense is good enough. That doesn't mean they won't be. They've added some reinforcements, which we'll get to here in just a second. But, and obviously there's room for organic growth. You know, Kingsley Kiki played his best game of the season on Sunday. That's something they're going to need because he has not been good. Uh, Rashawn Gary played his best game of the season on Sunday. That is something they're going to need if Zadarius Smith's not going to be back at all, or at least for an extended period of time. I'm just, that's the way I feel about the way you need to look at this defense right now. And they added some reinforcements, like I mentioned, or at least reportedly Ian Rappaport said that reportedly Jalen Smith has told everybody, former Dallas Cowboy and Notre Dame fighting Irish linebacker Jalen Smith has told people that his choice as a free agent is going to be the Green Bay Packers. And Rob Domofsky of ESPN then reported it's not a done deal yet. There's other teams in the mix. It's not done till it's done. I don't blame the cynical Packer fan who says I won't believe it till it happens because certainly there's, I mean, the Packers went from favorite to land Stefan Gilmore in a trade to favorite to sign him once he's not traded for to he's a Carolina Panther within a span of about three hours. Uh, so I completely understand the cynicism there, but I just want to get your thoughts, Maggie, real quick on adding Jalen Smith. Does this move the needle? Uh, what are your thoughts on adding him to the linebacker room? So Jalen Smith to me is really interesting because I know that he was a name that Packer fans like fawned over during the draft, obviously the Packers took Kenny Clark that year. And then, you know, there may have been some interest in the second round, but it didn't matter because Smith went well before the Packers were able to pick. I know he had the injury history. Um, 
And then you see his production the last couple seasons. Obviously, he's a Pro Bowl caliber player, but that play has significantly dropped off. Um, do I still think that he's better than what we've seen out of Ty Summers? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it was really difficult to watch 44 on the field on Sunday. And I, you know, I, f- I feel bad. I hate talking about players like that. But if you're looking to upgrade at certain spots and we know how much Joe Barry loves inside linebackers, that's the position he coached. Like he's always been an inside linebackers guy. They're very important to his defense. We saw the skepticism around Devondre Campbell and, oh, he's going to be another Christian Kirksey or Antonio Morrison. And he has helped this defense, I think, more than any other piece as far as taking a leap from the defenses that we saw the last couple seasons, especially without guys like Zedarius on the team to kind of fill in for some of those other holes. So to me, if you get Jalen Smith in there and he has any type of growth with Joe Barry, I think that's really significant. I don't know at this point, you know, what he looks like compared to a Chris Barnes. I think there will still be rotation in there. Um, but I do think he's, you know, an upgrade from the Oren Burks and the Ty Summers that we've seen rotated in quite a bit. And, you know, no disrespect to Chris Barnes, but he's got a little bit of an injury thing going on. Um, he hasn't been able to play a full season in his first two seasons. So I think that's just another body and it's a really important spot for the Joe Barry defense. Yeah, I, I, I like the way Jake Morley put it. Uh, he of Packer Report basically said, it is very hard to play linebacker for Dan Quinn, and it's not as hard to play linebacker for Joe Barry. So that could be a positive. Uh, the Packers certainly, I mean, Jalen Smith at his peak was almost as good as it gets. I mean, I'm not going to put him on the same level as like Devin White right now or Fred Warner or something like that, but he was a good player. The concern I have is there's an old line from the movie Moneyball, I remember, where Billy Bean, Brad Pitt's down talking to David Justice. And Justice says something to him along the lines of like, you're paying me $9 million. So yeah, I think I've earned a little bit of special treatment. And Billy Bean kind of laughs and says, no, I'm paying you $4 million. He kind of looks at him like, what do you mean? He says, yep, that's right. The Yankees are paying you $5 million to play against them. Well, that's what the Cowboys are doing. They're paying Jalen Smith multi-million dollars to play against him. And you've seen where teams will just give a guy the benefit of the doubt because it's like, well, we're paying him. There's really not a big benefit to cutting him. In the Cowboys case, there was really no benefit to cutting him from a salary standpoint, and they still did. So that's my concern, but you have seen before, and Aaron Rodgers did allude to the fact today that sometimes a change of scenery allows people to play their best football. Now, as we record here at 9.30 Central Time uh, in the Midwest on Wednesday night, it's not a done deal yet. So by the time you wake up tomorrow morning, this might be obsolete, but We'll see. Uh, I would say right now, if it's being reported by Ian Rappaport, it's very rare that he finds himself on the wrong side of these sorts of things. So the Jalen Smith thing is is interesting, but I am cautiously pessimistic, I guess is the right, because I said I would have been okay if Green Bay missed on, on Jalen Smith. But Matt LaFleur knows him. There's that connection from when they were at Notre Dame together. He was a good player before the Packers, like Maggie mentioned. Campbell's been a revelation. Actually, if you like wait it, based on expectations, you can make an argument based on your expectations that Devondre Campbell's been this team's best player on the defensive side of the ball. Now, again, that's considering the fact that you thought he was probably a replacement level type of player coming into the season. Obviously he hasn't been better than Alexander and et cetera, but if you wait it that way, he's been their best player. If they can get something similar to that out of Smith, now you're talking about the linebacker position being a strength for this Packers team that is seeing some of their strengths dwindle away. So it's not a bad thing to 
develop something like that as the season goes. Uh, let's talk. We can, we could talk about Stefan Gilmore. I mean, I, I guess I just kind of touched on it. Disappointed from the standpoint of, you know, on paper, obviously a, a tandem of Gilmore and Alexander with Eric Stokes is certainly exciting. I think the Packers were in on it as has been reported. It's basically something they only could have made work if he was released. Uh, if they, if they traded for him, the Packers would have had to absorb about five, almost $6 million. They only have $7 million in cap space. They can't rework his contract, you know, just all kinds of stuff like that. So when you talk about it being like, Hey, why didn't they just trade this sixth round pick? I don't think it's ever that simple. Um, you know, the pack, I think the Patriots also kind of did Gilmore a solid and that's where he's from is towards that Carolina area. And he wanted to go there. So it sucks. It's disappointing. That being said, I, I don't think it's as simple as the Panther or the Patriots saying, Hey, the Panthers offered us a sixth round pick for next year. Will you match this? And Gutekunst saying, no, I think it's just, there are realities and facts and so many things that we don't understand. And I made the joke on Twitter today that I wish I, I wish to work in an industry that is as easy to work in as Twitter makes being an NFL general manager sound. And I think that there are so many people and I'm guilty of this as well that think because they played Madden or they played fantasy football, that they have any idea how the inner workings of a front office goes. And that's just couldn't be further from the truth. That's not as simple as, Hey, this team offered this, will you offer this? And then they say no. So unfortunately, uh, as the phrase from Forrest Gump goes, shit happens. And in this case, that means Stefan Gilmore is not a Packer. So Maggie mourn with me, please. Are you allowed to say that on the podcast? Is my first if question. I'm, if I'm not, then Andy's going to probably tell me I'm fired. So, <laughs> um, No, I mean, obviously, Stefan Gilmore is in like the really rare category where you think despite the injury, there's still a top level talent. We saw the production. Um, he's always been like one of the best in the league. But and I'm not comparing these two players by any stretch. But, you know, Packers fans all offseason, Patrick Peterson was a guy that everyone was really interested in because you're hoping that they can be what they were in 2018 or 2019. Patrick Peterson was an all pro pro bowler and he's struggling in Minnesota. Um, obviously Casey Hayward is a good example of a player that Packers fans maybe wanted and then has gone on to be a cheap player um, who is ascending and looks really good after people maybe thinking that their time in the league was up. Um, so it's, it's hit or miss. And I do think Stefan Gilmore has landed in a really good spot. We know that he has um, a hometown in North Carolina. So he's really close uh, to family being down in Charlotte, um, which is good for him. I think that maybe there's a little bit that goes into that as well. Um, I think it was Peter Bukowski on Twitter earlier that said, you know, if it was as easy as just trading a higher pick, any team would have done it. Seattle, Casey, Tampa, like could have called the shot and gone anywhere. So obviously there's other factors. Um, and I think that, you know, the Panthers defense is incredibly scary already. So adding Gilmore definitely adds a layer to that, but I don't think the Packers are done. I agree with you kind of circling back to that conversation we had earlier in the show about corners. I think, I know I just said that help is not on the way, but this really kind of feels like a season where if this is the last dance, the conversation aren't going to be like, they're not going to be hypothetical conversations. And I think, it's going to take getting really creative with some contracts and some restructures, which I know they've done most of that already. Um, but maybe you can convince a guy like Devonte Adams to sign his in-season extension. If it means getting him um, one shot at a ring with Rogers, I don't know. 
We'll see. I'm not as convinced that it's the last dance as everyone else seems to be. I'm not either anymore. Yeah, that is completely another topic for for another day, obviously. Uh, This is during the season. It's disappointing, like you said. Um, you know, the guy you mentioned who brought that up, Peter, that guy sucks, but you know, I, I guess that <laughs> Maggie just rolled her eyes at me. This isn't a video show, but <laughs> no, Peter's my guy. But um, yeah, you're right. If it was as simple as offer a higher pick, then it's like, okay, a six round yeah. like they're not just gonna say, Oh no, I'm not giving up a fifth round pick. No way. It that just is what it is. Uh, that's kind of how trading and stuff works. It's one of the weirder things in the NFL, but you're right from the standpoint of as soon as they restructured Rogers deal for him to come back and made that cap space for this season with the way this roster is constructed with all they've talked about being all in to win a championship in 2021, yada, yada, yada. I think that what they've done is set themselves up to where not making an addition like that would be foolish. And I'm not even saying it doesn't have to be a trade for, you know, I know Mark Eckel on Packer report mentioned DeForest Buckner and trust me, that would be incredible. But, that's not the type of trade it has to be. Like, even if they just signed a, or signed, I'm sorry, traded for a a rotational pass rusher, a serviceable cornerback, just stuff that can help the team. That has value. That certainly matters. Um, I think that the Packers have set themselves to where they have to do something like that. And it would be foolish if they didn't. So they tried today with Gilmore, like I mentioned, and it wasn't either or with Gilmore or Smith. They were trying to get both of those guys in today. So I think the other thing, like we mentioned, and I kind of talked about it a little bit too, is if the Packers are to make a trade this year, an addition, a significant addition, it needs to be on defense. I believe that based on what we know about today, Brian Gutekunst knows that as well. Yeah. Because the offense is going to be good enough. As long as Aaron Rodgers is healthy and Devontae Adams is healthy, this offense is good enough to win a championship. And we're going to see them start to fire on all cylinders here very, very soon. Um, you know, based on what I saw on Sunday, they're just a, I feel like the Steelers defense is very, very good. And the Packers could have hung 40 on them. And if, you know, one play here, one play there could have hung 40 on them and they didn't, but they could have. So that part's exciting. The news is exciting. Everything is cool. Uh, there's a game on Sunday and it's <laughs> a good talk one. about it. We should talk about yeah. it. It's a, it's a good one too. Uh, the, the Bengals are three and one. Uh, my cousin Colin's favorite player, Joe Burrow is their starting quarterback. And he had one tire fire game against Chicago where he threw three picks on three straight pass attempts, which is still hilarious to me, but otherwise has been very good beat up on the Steelers. Uh, and they've, they've won, like I said, three out of four, they had to beat the Vikings in overtime. It's a tough place to play. The Packers have had some really weird games down in Cincinnati. Rogers talked about the last one they had down there today where, they were down 14, nothing. Then they're up 30 to 14 and they ended up losing 34 to 30. Uh, whenever they've played the Bengals in general, it feels like there's been something weird that goes on. The last time they were at home was the Rogers comeback game, the hottest day in the history of Lambeau field. And I'm still sweating from it. I'm probably Awful still dehydrated. Man. The Josh Jones game. I thought Josh Jones was going to be the greatest football player ever after that day. He was not, uh, I believe he's still in the league, but I'm not sure he was in Jacksonville last I knew. So I would have to check on that to be sure. But a weird game. And without Jair Alexander, you're talking about a passing offense that now includes Jamar Chase, who jokes aside about, well, some twisting of his words and talking about the football. Not that Mike Florio would ever twist anybody's words for a headline, but whatever. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, uh, Joe Mixon is a good player. I mean, they've got some really good players on that offensive side of the ball for a Packers defense that's missing 
some of their key contributors and they can kind of block for them a little bit this year too. That's been a big key for, for this Bengals offense is they're able to keep Joe Burrow upright. So when you've looked at this Bengals offense, where does everything start with you? I mean, I think it starts with rattling Joe Burrow and that feels like, you know, a cakewalk every week when we're talking about keys to getting after, you know, the opposing offense, but it's what we said going into the Steelers game. Big Ben is strictly from the pocket. You're not going to see him scramble weak offensive line. I think, you know, they need to take one out of the bears playbook, which sounds really gross and get after Joe Burrow. You mentioned already Jamar Chase and T Higgins, Tyler Boyd's another one. He leads the team in receptions, even though Jamar Chase has a little bit more yardage. Um, the Packers have been really good against the run this year. Um, knock on wood, you know, hoping that doesn't change things now. Joe Mixon not practicing, so not sure what the run game will look like for them. But they've got three receivers that can blow the top off a of defense. And going into that game with Eric Stokes and Jair, I'd feel pretty darn good about that. Um, going into the game with Eric Stokes and a couple of question marks, whether you have King in the slot and you put Rasul Douglas on, the, you know what I mean? Like, however you go into this game outside of Eric Stokes, there's question marks now and the Bengals have a very underrated receiving core, I think. So they can definitely stretch the field and you're going to want some help from your safeties. And I think the best way to just get after that front is to, to make Joe Burrow make mistakes because if he has time, he will pick the defense apart. That he has and that he did, you know, when they finally gave him time against Chicago, he did relatively well against them as well. So I think you're right. I think it starts there. And like you mentioned, this the pass rush has to be the strength of this defense anyways, uh, even if Alexander's healthy, just because they've spent a ton of resources up there. They have some question marks at the other cornerback spot. Uh, this is a game where I think the Packers offense, I hope they're ready for a, a shootout type of scenario just because I think you can bait Burrow into a mistake or two still, which is a good thing because they're going to need that. But stopping this team is going to be very hard. You mentioned Tyler Boyd. Chase, Higgins, they've got some players in that group, obviously, on that side of the ball. Uh, their running back spot could be a little wonky. Uh, Joe Mixon didn't practice today, so it could be Samaje Perrine, Chris Evans. You know, we just don't know who's going to play that spot for them. But get after those guys. You know, Riley Reef, we've seen a lot of him. Jonah Williams, former number one pick that they have uh, up front. Xavier Suafilo, that's somebody we've seen plenty of. As well, they've got a relatively good group on that side of the ball. I just think that, like you mentioned, it's going to be rattle the quarterback and try and force into a couple of turnovers. But if you're looking for a game where it's like, okay, the Packers held this really good offense to 17 points, I that's not this week. <laughs> it might be in the future, but I don't think that's going to be this week. So hope it's a back and forth type of affair, and the Packers' offense is up for it, and I think they are. So that's that's the good news if you want to look on. On that side of things, uh, we're at our prediction standpoint of this game. It's Packers and Bengals. It's at noon. They are allowed to play at noon. Who knew? <laughs> That's incredible. I love noon kickoffs. They're my personal favorite time uh, for games. So looking forward to that. It's in Cincinnati. I mentioned their history the last couple times they played them, and it's been kind of a weird series all the way around. Uncommon opponent. Packers looking to get to 4-1 and one before heading to Chicago to take on the Bears and then Washington and then Arizona to close up the month of October within about 15 days of each other with those three games there towards the end. So this is a sneaky big game, I think. Getting to four and one, uh, stacking that win, you feel good about your ability to beat Chicago and Washington. Not that those games are walkovers, just the Packers are better than both of those teams. I think it is imperative 
and maybe that's too strong of a word that the Packers are six and one going into that Arizona game, uh, just because Arizona is undefeated right now. They look like a very good team, potentially a force to be reckoned with. And that could be a game that kind of like the new Orleans one last year, where you feel good about that, maybe being a tiebreaker type of scenario. So staying within one game as much as you can. And Arizona is a tough place to play. The Packers have, I cannot remember the last time the Packers played well in that stadium. It was probably 2009, uh, the last week of the regular season, or maybe if you want to say the playoff game, but obviously that ended poorly. Uh, but it's been a while since they've played well in that stadium. Nonetheless, I just mentioned, I think this is a back-and-forth affair. I think they're going to have to score a lot of points. I like Green Bay still. I think Aaron Rodgers will not make a mistake that Joe Burrow will. I like Green Bay 31-27 to 27 for a win in Cincinnati. I had the exact same score prediction, so I'm going to keep it. We are spending too much time together. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I definitely agree with you. It's going to be a shootout. And Joe Burrow kind of said that in his pressers this week where, you know, I know the Packers defense has struggled a little bit, but, you know, he said if they blink, like the last thing you can do is afford to get down 21 nothing against a Packers offense that is that hot. So it is going to be obviously on this Bengals offense to make plays because we know that the Bengals defense – is not that great. And the Packers offense, like you said, can drop 30 points, um, should be dropping 30 points on most NFL teams. So yeah, I think 31 27. Um, I, you know, I don't want to say it comes down to the final drive, but I, we saw it against the 49ers. We saw what this Packers offense can do with very little time on the clock. So Farron Rogers has the ball last. This definitely is not a game that I see him losing. I'm right there with you. We are out of time for today. I want to give condolences to Jimmy Christensen. Nothing bad happened. He just has to paint his house. And having somebody who's done that, it sucks. So Jimmy was not with us this week. Hopefully we'll have him back, be able to get him back next week, as as Matt LaFleur might like to say. Uh, But the Packers will take on the Bengals on Sunday at noon. Like I mentioned, I'm Jacob Westendorf. I'm your host for this evening's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf and follow pretty much all of my work at PackerReport66 or at GameOn.com. WI catch the MVS show with myself, Jimmy and Todd Varney every Tuesday at 7 PM. And hopefully we get MVS back here on the field very soon from listening to him. He's definitely itching to go. So we're excited to have that opportunity to get him back on the field and scoring some deep balls like he's supposed to be for this team anyways. And Maggie, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J Loney. I write two articles a week for Cheesehead TV during this season. And then I'm also with Perry Goldstein and the Pax What She Said podcast. You can find the podcast episodes on Friday mornings. And then you can find us on Twitch and Twitter doing game recaps on Mondays. So, yeah. There you go. So Twitch, anywhere you guys can find anything that you like, be sure to check those two out. You guys just had a really cool episode with I don't want to butcher her name, so I'm going to let you tell me who the guest was that you guys had Brooke last week. Prior of ESPN, and she absolutely called it. She said the Steelers were not going to be capable of putting out more than 17 points. So, knows her stuff. Good for her. She's very good. She knows her <laughs> stuff. So do those two. So be sure to check them out every week like you can. Check us out every week. Like and subscribe to the podcast at Pack-A-Day Podcast. Uh, give us a like and subscribe, all that good stuff. And we'd be able to do more stuff for you. So it all helps you. Until then, we'll be back next week talking a little Packers and Bears, the oldest not rivalry in the NFL because it's not a rivalry if the other team doesn't win and the Bears do not win against the Packers, at least in the last uh, 30 years or so. So thank you guys for everybody. Watch the Bengals game this week and remember the Bears still suck. See you next week.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.